Welcome to the First Read Ultimate Spider-Man podcast, where we break down Bendis' iconic run on Ultimate Spider-Man, issues 1 through 160 in Earth 1610. I'm Zach. I'm John. John, how are you doing today? I am doing excellent. You know, I know last time we spoke, you got a new cat. How's it going? Yeah, some listeners might not have uh, heard about that. They might have just seen football or Super Bowl in the title of the episode and said, this isn't for me. But um, I had two well, cats. I, I think I have to stop you, actually, because we're still technically. Oh, no, no, we did talk about that in the Super Bowl episode. But yeah. this one's going to come out two episodes after. Yes, on your feed, yeah. this will be two yeah. episodes after the bonus. Yeah, so for for those of you who didn't hear or just need a refresher, I had two cats, Storm and Rogue, named after the X-Men. They were sisters. They are seven years old. And uh, my wife and I just recently adopted a, we think she's like one and a half year old kitty cat that came to us with the name Jubilee. She already had that name. It was perfect. It just works. So we have three X-Men girls. And you, you were like loving on the cat and petting it for like an hour and wanting to get it even before you learned the name was Jubilee, which I think is the craziest thing about all of that. I think we had heard the name, but like, yes, like it, it wasn't like we heard the name and thought we had to get her. It's that yeah. like, then, you know, she kind of chose to spend time with us and just like melted into us. Oh, that's so cute. And they're getting along. Have they uh, even no. gotten to meet each other yet? So, yeah, they've met each other. We don't have like a pet gate or a way to like let them see each other. So we did the under the door thing for a week, which is what they recommend. And then we've brought like one at a time. We've brought the other two in to meet her a few times. And there hasn't been any fights, but there's been a lot of hissing and growling. Yeah. So I think we're just okay. going <laughs> to we're just going to keep taking it slow. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um. Gosh, part of me with stuff like that is just like they're animals, just like throw them together and like they'll learn to live with each other. You know, by us making a big deal about them meeting, does it almost make it a big deal about meeting? You know, but then the other part of me is like, no, there's a lot of like stuff that says you're not supposed to just chuck two cats in together. So, yeah, and they're, they're nervous creatures, like unless yeah, the situation is just right. Yeah. Yeah. Cats natural state is not like happy and, you know, content. That's how we as pet keepers should like make them, you know? Yeah. So I don't want to, you know, have them any more stressed than they need to be. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Well, still. Okay. That sounds like it's going well. Nice. Yeah, for sure. And uh, we were talking a little bit before we started. You, you played some golf today in the beautiful <laughs> month of February here in Indiana. I I, I I played some golf today. I went out and got about nine holes in uh, because my mother-in-law was in town and my wife's downstairs. So we're going to talk slowly, quietly, <laughs> got out of the house, played some golf. Um, but before that, I also coach a boys volleyball team. Zach, I don't know if you know that. Yes. Grade. We had our first game of the season today um, and we lost a heartbreaker in three. We we kind of let them off the hook in game one, and then we had a really strong comeback in game two to win 25 to 23. 
And then game three goes to 15. And I think we lost about 15 to 11. We, we let them off the hook. We probably should have won this, but you know, maybe that's a, a wake up call moving forward. Yeah. It's the first game. There's room to grow. Yeah, but it was really fun. And, and the kids played very, very well. Good. And I got one other thing that happened today that I have to show you. Okay. Okay. And I'm going to let you explain it to the webheads, which is what I'm calling our listeners. I like <laughs> it. If you have a name, you can we can change it. I don't think it's possible to have a better name than that. <laughs> this is for the classroom. Okay. Okay. It's a picture frame. He's turning it around. Oh, what else would I possibly have expected? <laughs> so it's a picture of Gene Hackman from Hoosiers. And it's got the inspirational quote. If you put your effort and concentration into learning, <laughs> into learning oh. to your potential to be the best that you can be. I don't care what the grade book says at the end of the day in my book, we're going to be winners. <laughs> coach norman dale pretty corny stuff if if y'all haven't picked up on it john likes hoosiers <laughs> actually i think i was thinking about this and after our super bowl episode last week and then this happened to come this week and i had just said elizabeth and i watched hoosiers like a couple weeks ago the the listeners the webheads are going to think I like this movie way more than I do. I am not like a Hoosier super fan or anything. This has just all happened to time times. We watched the movie and that's what gave me the idea for the poster. Uh, but, but it's a good flick. <laughs> yeah. I feel like in Indiana, just about everyone has like some story about, Oh, this guy that went to my church was in the movie or, Oh, the, you know, the janitor at the school went to the movie. My my stepmom or my stepmom, my mother-in-law that was here today. I've met like three or three or four different people in my life who knew who were in that movie. Cause all the extras were just local central Indiana people in the eighties. Yeah. They just like, were like, Hey, show up if you want to be an extra in this movie at, the butler court and apparently everyone in indiana did (laughs) well do you have do you have anything else going on zach or should we uh oh i have one more thing you have one more thing i have one more thing okay (laughs) two things (laughs) two things um okay what's your thing i was in like a toy store earlier today i was just trying to kill time while my wife was at the dentist before i had to pick her up and i went in and i i'm not like a toy collector or anything but there are two specific marvel comics superheroes that have have had like some action figure releases and they're not big they're they're like obscure characters but i've they're some of my favorites and i've always said like if i see it one of those action figures i'm gonna buy it so I go into this. Try to guess. You are so truly like, not okay, going to okay, get it. But, okay, I but, won't even but try. I, I was trying to think of like the most obscure people I know. And I don't I don't even know enough characters to know obscure characters. You know, uh, that's why I'm um, curious to see what you'd say. OK, I'll say I'm just going to guess two random ones that aren't insanely mainstream, but still knowledgeable. I'm going to guess Adam Warlock, who I think is a is still very, very much a big deal, but he's just not a big deal yet in the movies. 
And I will guess. Oh, but he would have a. <laughs> I have no idea who. So I'm not going to spoil yet who I got because they're actually from the Ultimate Spider-Man series and we haven't met them yet. Oh, OK. But I was very excited to see it and definitely picked it up as soon as I had a chance. The other one that I'm like looking for, if I ever catch it in the wild, I'm going to get it. No questions asked is uh, Captain Britain, Brian Braddock. Oh, I like it. He's I one have of my favorites. A, uh, I have a Captain Britain, um, Peggy Carter, Funko Pop. That's Captain Carter. Captain Carter. Oh, yeah. I will die on that hill. When people on Twitter say, you know, call her Captain Britain, the gatekeeper in me just like rattles his chains and tries to get free. <laughs> That's really funny. Um, I have I ha I actually have another thing because I have to run downstairs and grab it, but I have something to show you. So so you'll you'll have to make a cut here unless okay. you want to do this in real time. But I'll be right back. Oh, I think I know what this is going to yeah, be. I think, I think that you do. I almost asked about it earlier. It hasn't even been opened yet. Like ever or by you? Oh, by me. I'm sure that it has been opened. Boom. The football Spider-Man episode from eBay. It's actually in very good condition. Wow, this could be worth millions one day. Web of Spider-Man 34. You know what I found out? I think the issues what? just before that, like uh, Web of Spider-Man 33, possibly also 32, was um, the art was done by Bill Sienkiewicz. Oh, really? What was this yeah. one done by? We said probably Transparency Digital. Uh, no. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, if you ever want to see some really like interpretive Spider-Man art type in Bill Sienkiewicz Spider-Man. And it's and, from that series. And if you didn't listen to the Super Bowl episode because you were like, oh, they're just going to talk about football. That is probably my favorite comic that we've read so far. So I would definitely say go check it out. I had a lot of fun in that last one. Yeah, yeah, it was a that was a good week. We dropped that episode. We dropped the um, ultimate team up with Daredevil and Punisher. Oh, yeah, those and those might have been the best episodes I think we've done. And that brings me to my last thing I have, which is we do have between like 40 and 70 loyal webheads here. So, so far you know, we've so well, yeah, these are the originals, though. You yeah. Know? <laughs> Listener right now, original 40. If you're listening to this in uh, 2025, just know you're probably like listener 10,000. You know, we're not talking about you right now. Oh, yeah. I Maybe 50,000. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I was selling a short. Yeah, <laughs> we've got that Joe Rogan money by now. Every business says they're better. But the ones that earn and display the BBB seal back it up. It instantly identifies businesses that are committed to operating with integrity, honoring promises, and telling the truth. Makes you wonder why every business doesn't have it. So look for it, because it's looking out for you. That's why it's the sign of a better business. And find a better business anytime at BBB.org. And we're back. 
<laughs> thank okay, you, Better that... Business Bureau. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, okay. Are we ready? I think we're ready. Marvel so... team up issues nine through eleven. We're meeting some uh we're meeting some good good characters this up this episode issue nine through eleven definitely some a-listers yep um Mm -hmm. so not that it's going to really factor into this episode at all but just a quick recap of what we've done in the team-up issues um so uh episode two all the way back in our show um he met wolverine iron man and the hulk and then the last team-up issue we did was the punisher and uh daredevil great little what was that three issues this is going to be a lot different than that these issues are are pretty (laughs) pretty much a a change of pace like right away yep i'll i think i'll save my thoughts on most of these for the end you know like the end of of after we do the recap i'm gonna try and stay objective in good and bad while we're recapping if i can <laughs> yeah same i'm just gonna peel the curtain back here real quick and say i gave myself issue nine because there's parts of it that are like kind of a meta commentary of marvel comics oh, and i uh, i thought i will have stuff to talk about i'm sure that yeah i, guess I thought my, we could probably get into it right now i'm sorry to interrupt you no go but ahead what's the deal with it What's the deal with with issue nine? Like, why is it like this? You you kind of already said, peeling the curtain back, that it is very meta. Like, I uh, asked myself the same thing a million times, dude. So (laughs) I thought it would be helpful if I took the reins on this one and let you add your little, you know, questions or comments in between. It was not easy for me either. It... It literally has taken me two weeks to take notes on this one issue because I keep getting frustrated and stopping and not knowing how to describe what's on the page. That's okay. Okay. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Issue nine, Ultimate Marvel Team Up, written by Brian Michael Bendis, penciled by Jim Mafood, colored by Transparency Digital, and lettered by Sharp Front, which I realized today is probably just Dave Sharp's company because he's been the letterer on most things in these books or, you know, he's been a pretty common letterer and this is spelled just like his last name. So I'm guessing Dave Sharp made his own, like, I don't know, LLC or something. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Get the bag, Dave. Go Dave. (laughs) All right. So I got to start off with this little tidbit about this issue. It is so weird and breaks ultimate universe continuity so badly that um, on marvel.fandom.com, it's actually credited as the first and only appearance of Earth TRN 526. They don't even recognize this as part of the ultimate universe. I think when it was written, it was clearly meant to be. But if you say that this is a real issue, then it doesn't work. Yeah, no, this is very much a one-off. Yeah. 100%. There's no way that... Be, yeah, we'll we'll get to some of the stuff that happens in this that is... Not, <laughs> Even if you add in the fact that 
the ultimate fantastic four as i think we've hinted to like with the iron man thing they're gonna eventually get a completely different story in the ultimate universe than this even if you take that out of the equation this is uh this doesn't really work um in terms of continuity so we open on peter parker in the baxter building that's where the fantastic four live and work and a machine asks him to state his name and business, and he tells us, the reader, that he was selected for a program to shadow Reed Richards for the day. And the machine asks him, and where did you get your extra human powers? And Peter panics and denies having any powers. And the machine says, it's okay, Mr. Parker. We here at the Fantastic Four understand your need for confidentiality. And... I I'm going to hop in a lot this episode. Uh, like what you just said you weren't going to do. No, no, no. Just to talk about stuff. Not necessarily. Gotcha. Yeah. Just to bring stuff up. Although this is going to be a negative thing because on this panel that you're talking about, although I do really like this start because it is, it, it's like, yeah, the fantastic four and Reed Richards, they will just be able to know everything that's going on and they'd be really nonchalant about it because like, it's all pretty standard stuff to them. Um, but that panel you just read was where I very first was like, oh, I, I don't like how this looks at all. Where Peter's like, I don't even know what's happening. Is it the art that takes you out of it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I was talking about. That's where I was like, oh, the the way this is drawn, I just, this is not my thing. And it gets, well, I'll save it. (laughs) I had to look up Jim Mafood. Um, because this is not like Marvel house style. It's not even like, you know, like what we've seen Sinkevich do where it's a break from house style, but it still looks, you know, a certain way. Like there's like respectability to it. I don't want to say this is not respectable, but this is very much in keeping with like a, an indie comic. Like it looks like something like a Scott Pilgrim, you know, like, ripoff comic that's that's the art we're not there yet but the opening panel with the fantastic four i i said it looks like it was drawn by a fantastic (laughs) four-year-old pretty good stuff (laughs) yeah pretty good stuff i mean i want it i don't want to be mean to jim but um this is not what we're going to get on that panel (laughs) Yeah. yeah anyways So the machine uh, says it understands that he has powers and Peter denies again having powers. And the machine says, well, I suppose the costume in your knapsack is just for parties then. So it can see into his backpack and it requests that he not wear his mask or use his powers while inside the building. And it then forces him to watch an orientation video which basically serves the purpose of like filling us readers in on the fantastic four. Um, Patsy Walker appears on the video um, screen. Oh, that you knew who that was. Nice. Do you know who that is? (laughs) I had no, I just thought it was a random like manager secretary type of woman. No, she's a pretty old character in Marvel history. She's Hellcat. before that. She had like her own, like, teen romance book back in the 60s but what you might know her from is the jessica jones show on netflix 
Oh, okay. So, um, if you um, did, if you, you think that this was similar to the opening of the Tony Stark team up episode? Was was that written by Brian Michael Bendis also? Because all of these have been. It's, it's you know we basically just open with them giving like a presentation on the person um, that we're like going to be meeting, which I'm just pointing out because I noticed not that it's like a, a good way to set up an episode or a bad way issue. Um, but it's an efficient yeah. way. It's yeah, a fast yeah, way exactly. to tell you this is their deal. This is their origins because it hasn't been established in this universe yet, but then yeah. still have room for something else to be in the issue. Yep. So I'm going to run you through what Patsy says real quick. Um, she says it's been a year since the Fantastic Four turned into America's first superpowered, and then in parentheses they say non mutant peace organization. She says, in that time, America has come to know and love the FF as if they were members of our own family. She says, it all started at MIT, where Reed Richards won the Nobel Prize for his discovery of the negative zone, which is a parallel dimension whose properties and sciences are a skewed and unexplainable version of ours. And Reed self-funded an expedition to the negative zone using money he made from various patents and discoveries. And this gets, this is when it starts getting weird, not just the <laughs> art, but the, the dialogue, um, his patents and discoveries included the joystick marshmallow fluff, the compact disc MTV two and mainstream acceptance of comics as an art form. And I'm going to cover the ones that Zach skipped. <laughs> I Hostess thought I hit the Twinkies, highlights. Hostess Twinkies, boxer shorts, and the screensaver. <laughs> and the kilowatt, which that's, I just think that's funny. How could you discover yeah. the kilowatt? What the hell is a gigawatt? Yeah. <laughs> um... And so this is where we get our first real indication of how unserious this issue will be. And uh, so he, self he used that money to fund this voyage and he assembled his own crew, which included Ben Graham, an Air Force pilot and Reed's childhood friend, Sue Storm, a fellow Nobel Prize winner and Reed's girlfriend, and Johnny Storm, Sue's NASCAR driving brother. And then it gives their origins and powers exposition, which is, you know, they went through the negative zone and or at least in this in this telling, they went through the negative zone and somehow got hit with rays that gave them their powers. And I think we all know we're familiar enough with the Fantastic Four, but basically Reed is super stretchy. Uh, Sue can turn invisible and do force fields. Ben turned into a giant orange rock monster with a lot of strength and then johnny is the human torch he can like catch on fire and not burn and fly around and throw fireballs i can't um, imagine anyone's listening to this not knowing who the fantastic four are <laughs> i don't know i mean my mom has has gotten some of her friends on this and some oh, okay. have asked okay. me about it <laughs> If, here's the thing, John. If yeah. we're if we are marketing ourselves as the one stop shop for people who've never picked up a comic book to Which be along for the ride, yeah, 
we got to be inclusive to those who okay. don't know who the Fantastic Four are. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So, uh, Patsy Walker mentions that thanks to a special deal with the U.S. government, Reed Richards still controls the only existing portal to the negative zone, and it's here in the Baxter building. And then she points to rules on a wall that says uh, that she calls plot devices. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's already very meta. And um, yeah, it says we must ask all visitors to follow these important plot devices. Oops, I mean rules. And the rules are one, no superpowers can be used in the building Two, due to the sensitive nature of Reed Richards ongoing experiments, stay on the red stripes on the floor unless Reed specifically says otherwise. Three, no touching any machines Four, the third floor is the negative zone portal. It is off limits and guarded by the most elaborate security system on the planet. And uh, now that we're done with that, a door opens and Peter sees the whole Fantastic Four working together on something. And this is the drawing that the the picture that John was referencing that he said was drawn by a Fantastic Four year old. <laughs> it and it's not an insult because he meant to draw it this way, you know. Yes. But are you looking at the panel? Yeah, it's very I mean, look at the thing. That looks like something you'd find on like a cereal box or some, you know, like the I don't know. It it it's just not so, good at all. <laughs> I am not an art historian, but you know, to the untrained eye, to someone who doesn't really know, isn't qualified to say this, this looks like um like a mid-career Picasso, you know, like how you see okay. his er- early works and it's like pretty realistic and then his later works is what we think of as picasso but then like you see like some of the stuff he did in between that and it's like just unrealistic enough to look like to have his yeah aspects of it that's what this is yeah to me. that that i could see that's how the thing looks because it's very square and jagged and i don't know it's his it's, rocks look like shapes just thrown together they don't look like rocks that are actually protruding from something but he but but like you said you know it's it's not he's still good he meant to draw it this way and i'm sure that there's a reason for it from like an art historian or whatever you said it's it's a chosen style it's not that he sucks at drawing it's that this is how he likes to work we we still stand jim mafood don't get me wrong (laughs) um he's worked on more marvel projects than we ever will yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then did you notice the robot at the bottom? Yeah. There's yeah. a robot listeners with multiple cameras, antennas and guns that flies by Peter. And it's literally holding up a sign like a wooden picket sign that says smile. You're on camera. I don't know why I thought that was funny. I wonder I wonder if that does just like follow him around. I didn't actually notice that it had like guns pointed at him. <laughs> yeah. Um. And then so the thing is holding up this giant pot and Reed is kind of stretching around him with a uh, wrench and the invisible girl is just sitting there. Sorry, the invisible woman. Um, 
the human torch is just kind of flying by. So it really looks like there's two people working on this project, but uh, they're kind of describing what it is. And it turns out what they're working on is like the ultimate coffee maker. And uh, Sue says something like, you know, you could just go down to the store and get one for like 30 bucks. And he goes, no, but this is the ultimate coffee maker. And I put in my notes, uh, cue ultimate joke. Because it says it has a little asterisk and it says the word ultimate copyright Marvel Comics. And it also, okay, so what does it mean when a speech bubble is like cut out in a comic? Like how Sue Storm just out of nowhere says sigh no more. Nay more. Well, okay, Namor, yeah, okay. <laughs> but what's 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 that what's that mean? The fact that that's cut out has to like mean something because we get to. There's one other part in an issue we read today that's cut out. So I think it's just that it differentiates it. In this case, I read it as she said it under her breath. But I think sometimes you know they can do funky stuff like that, and it means oh, this person was speaking like telepathically or something. Well, I just wonder, it must have something to do with the fact that she's saying Namor, Namor, Namor. Yeah. <laughs> Is it in Wakanda forever? He's Namor because he's and the they got it. No love. And they got it wrong. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think it has something to do with her, like being meta because they mentioned like Marvel and and I, I figured maybe. It had some there was some inside joke with Namor about what there, they were saying. And, and there they were is trying to like cute clue. They were just trying to like throw him into like, I don't know. I have no idea. The I was going to ask you about it. Yeah. Yeah. This was one of the reasons why I thought it'd be easier for me to take this issue <laughs> is to explain these things. But then it's like the whole issue just ended up being a, a cluster. So it was hard to explain anything. But in the 1960s Fantastic Four before Reed and Sue got married. Um, there was kind of a will they won't they between her and Namor. Whenever, you know, she got mad at Reed, it was like there was always oh. kind of the threat <laughs> that she could go be with Namor. Okay, now I get it. That's funny. I yes. Like that. <laughs> okay, so that is like she just like said that under her breath or like something. Yeah. Yeah, it's like whenever Reed is, you know, making her mad, yeah. she can just think about her other boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah. And then right, right in the next page, they say, thanks Galactus. And I don't get that either. Yeah. They're just, some of these aren't even they're just jokes. chucking in characters. It's, it's references. And because yeah. like, if you get the reference, it's almost like they're expecting you to think, huh, I got that joke. But it was never a joke. There was no there was no build up. There was no punchline. It wasn't humorous. You just mentioned something. Yeah. Okay. It's like a very poorly written Deadpool comic. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm letting my bias shine through. Anyways, we got a lot to get through. I know. I know we do. Uh. Peter is standing there watching them just kind of dumbfounded. And Sue is the first one to acknowledge him. And she says, well, we sure are glad to see you here, young man. And he perks up and goes, you are. And she asks the other three if anyone has any cash and says they're going to order out. And she tells Reed, that's what interns are for, sweetie. 
and they give Peter their Starbucks orders and some money before he has a chance to tell him he's not their intern. And an alarm sounds and the FF run to their situation room and Peter is left standing alone and just mutters, but I'm not your intern. I've got a couple things to add, Zach. Um, yeah. The thing orders a mocha, mocha double latte and uh, Johnny Storm makes fun of him for it, says he needs to go put on a little dress. Terra lattes are so good. I just slammed one and it was a double. And I don't, I don't I don't think I appreciate, you know, that that kind of humor from Johnny Storm. And then to get him back. When they run to the situation room, Johnny Storm says flame on and they go, you're already on fire. You don't need to say it. And he's like, I just like saying it. And the thing says he says, yeah, I've got a theory about that. And I think that's a gay joke. <laughs> I did not even pick up on that. Do you think, okay, do you want to look, it's, uh, let's see, it's panel, it's 9 of 19 is what it is. He says, flame on, and the thing says, flame on, you're already lit up. And he says, so, I like to yell it. And the thing says, yes, I got a theory about that. And I don't know any other way to read that. Yeah, you know, I think I read it as, because he says, so, I like to yell it. And I thought, you know. He was calling him like boisterous, like, oh, yeah, you like to get. But no, no, you're I think you're right, especially coming right after the like, you're a girl joke in the pre. I know I know we're we're a couple of snowflakes on this podcast and we always catch these old timey jokes. So, (laughs) yeah, I I think you're on to something. I'm also noticing. Again, this is a choice. This isn't this isn't, you know, artistic talent lacking but man this the picture of the thing on this page is even more unbearable it's like terrible (laughs) this that's that's what i'm he is specifically what i'm referring to when i say it looked like it was drawn by a four-year-old okay i think i hate ai art and i have no respect for it and i think it's an existential threat to actual creatives everywhere but Believe me when I say these hands are worse than like the AI drawn hands that have like six <laughs> fingers. <laughs> Anyways, they have left Peter with the money and the assumption that he's their intern. And he starts walking out angrily and grumbling about how he's a superhero, too. And he accidentally steps off the yellow line and the FF's computer uh, yells at him to stay in the line. And he gives us this like almost feels like a Looney Tunes type quote, like when you, you know, run off the cliff and look down and then look up before you fall. I need to ring my bell again because you totally skipped over the fact that Peter is cursing his head off this entire for like an entire 10 panels of text and it's not showing it, but every, it, uh, you know, when, when there's like curse words and they don't want to put it and they just put like the symbols up, but it's like every it's, uh, I mean, it, he says, get some coffee. How about I kick all your blank blank? How do you even get out of this place? Guy found another blank dimension. Can't even buy a doorknob. I should just go take their blank money and go blank home. And what's with that Mr. Roboto like totally blank outing me as blank Spider-Man? 
you can't just go and blow a guy's secret blank identity like that, huh? I should sue them. Hey, I got my powers the way you're blanking supposed to. <laughs> so he's just like, you know, it's it's every panel. Like they've made it and 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 Brian Michael Bendis even like makes a joke about it later in the issue, like how much they're cursing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anytime I start describing something and it sounds normal, just assume that I'm filtering things out and giving to it to you in a normal way, because there's not a single normal panel in this book. There's not a single line that's delivered the way you would expect it to. Okay. Okay. That's They've fair. all got, a hundred and one things going on per panel. <laughs> okay, that's true. Yeah, maybe I don't have to jump in with like every single thing. We'll be no, here all day. No, you're good because we're gonna have to pull out the ones that we like. Otherwise, you know, this isn't gonna. None of it's gonna play, especially when it gets yeah. really weird. Yeah. Um. So, like I was saying, it, it when he steps over the line, it kind of feels like a Looney Tunes, Tunes thing where it's like they acknowledge what they did wrong before it like comes back to bite them. Cause he says, "Uh Oh, suddenly I find that I have stumbled into a negative zone portal room as clearly shown in the video presentation earlier. This issue. <laughs> uh, and he even says issue, which is funny. Like he's, he knows he's in a comic book and the security system starts shooting at Peter as he jumps around the room to dodge the bullets. Um, and one of the bullets accidentally hits something, which releases an army of scrolls through the negative zone portal. One is holding a boom box. One has a burrito and another one is wearing a Star Trek club uh, fan club patch. So they all have something wonky going on. It, it's just like a it's like a doodle. And. Yeah, and I'm sure, Zach, you're going to get to it. But just the way the scrolls talk, the way the dialogue is from here until the end of the issue is just very like, gosh, how to even describe this? It's like there's no subtext of what's going on at all. Everything is like the most literally said thing that they could I, I don't I don't know. I don't even know how to explain it. We we can just we can just cut that part. No, you're good. You're back right. into it. You're right. I liked it. Uh it is that way. And I think the first time I read this, I thought it came out of absolutely nowhere. There is a line earlier in the issue that it about um, the scrolls. Well, yes, we know so the line says that the uh the scrolls live in the negative zone. So it explains why they're coming out of the portal, but it also says the negative zone is like a chaotic and uh, quirky place or something. And then once the portal opens, that spills out into the main, like the universe. And it just makes everything absolutely nonsensical, <laughs> which would make the issue more bearable to me. If things already weren't nonsensical yeah. beforehand. Yeah. That's true. That would have been good. That would have been well written. <laughs> I think that's what they were going for, but they just accidentally made the first part, you know, yeah, equally unreadable or not equally because it, it gets pretty bad. Uh, so the leader of the scrolls says that they are intent on taking the planet in the name of the scroll empire, then getting the head of Reed Richards. And then in parentheses, he says, or whichever one or, or whichever 
one you get to first. No biggie. And they break through the wall and descend upon the city. And this is the part where I just couldn't even take notes. I I just like had you just some bullet to, You just have to. I just had to write the actual quotes that were happening. <laughs> like, exactly. But it's not even the quotes. Like you turn the page and you see all these scrolls like, you know, falling or flying down onto the city, onto people. And they're like shooting them with ray guns and stuff. And you're like, okay, that I can understand that I can get bef- behind. But there's a tennis racket falling with them. There's a cow saying moo falling with them. Uh, one guy's holding like the Grim Reaper scythe. It, it's all ridiculous. <laughs> and you get a little um, a funny little gag where there's a guy wearing a shirt that says Marvel contest winner. And his speech bubble says, Woohoo! I want to get yourself drawn in a Marvel con- comic contest. I rule. Yay me. And then he gets shot by the by one of their ray guns and like atomized. <laughs> so um they keep they just keep terrorizing people and say they're not going to stop until Reed Richards shows himself. Peter shows up in his Spidey suit and says that he's Reed Richards. Uh, he's like, nope, yep, um, that's that's me, you guys. I got a, a different costume, but here I am. So he he successfully gets the army of uh, scrolls like away from the people. They're not just terrorizing the town anymore. Now they're chasing him. And meanwhile, <laughs> We cut scenes at the offices of Marvel Comics. Editor-in-Chief Joe Quesada is working the phones, calling Morton Scorsese to see if he'd like to write a Marvel comic. And Spider-Man and the Scrolls crash through the wall and start brawling in the office. And this whole page is framed the same way. It's just looking at Joe Quesada's desk. And all the action happens around him. But even the stuff around his desk changes. Like there's a poster board behind him. And in every single panel, the poster board has different names. Like in one, it says uh, Quentin Tarantino, Wes Anderson, Kevin Smith. Another one, it says like Spike Lee, Chris Rock, Guy Ritchie. And then I didn't notice that at the bottom. It says Conan O'Brien, George Lucas, uh, Madonna, so he's just like making a list of famous people to call to try and like get involved <laughs> in some project, I guess. And uh, like the scrolls have. Like one has a shirt that says Marvel Tours 2001. They left some graffiti on the wall that says Johnny Scroll was here. It's very silly. It's very silly. <laughs> So then the next page, he's just kind of in the Marvel bullpen and there's various people standing around that are definitely supposed to be someone in particular, but like you can't quite tell who they are. Um, And this is how this is how unserious I'm I'm bored with this comic and we're 50 minutes in. I'm sorry. I just have to say this was where I like totally lost respect for what they were trying to do was 
Electra is standing there talking to someone, the character, not not. She's like talking to a writer that writes her the fictional character and like written across her chest. It just says, I die a lot exclamation point. Like, yeah, she does, but that's not a joke. Like it's, uh, uh, they're trying to do self parody and you can't do self parody. It just, uh, irks me. So then they crash through, um, the editor, Ralph Macchio's office. Remember the karate kid. And he's on the phone with Bendis telling him he can't use curse words in his scripts, which is what John was referencing earlier. And an assistant is holding up an enormous stack of rejected Bendis scripts. And as Spidey and the scrolls crash through the exterior wall, Machio asks assistant editor Schmitty if he can clean that up. And Schmitty responds, but I'm already doing everything else. So and, this and one of, and one of the, Probably the best joke in this issue for me was Ralph Macchio talking on the phone and he says, hi, Brian Bendis. Oh, I'm sorry, Brian Michael Bendis. <laughs> and and I do think that's funny specifically because it was written by Brian Michael Bendis. So, you know, and, he jokes around about that. And he's serious about that middle name. <laughs> he does not want to be Brian, called Brian Bendis. So, uh, yeah, th- you can tell like this probably killed it uh, like in the marvel offices like people probably saw that and were like oh my god yes that's our inside joke we love it it's uh, and then they just put it out you know in stores across america to people who didn't know those jokes uh so outside the fantastic four arrive in their fantastic car and trap all the scrolls with some kind of tractor beam device and they even make a comment like well yeah we had to do this we're on page you know 17 we got to wrap this story up and um there's a it's kind of funny i like the panel of spider-man is hanging clinging on the wall and they're just floating there talking to him and there's a window washer guy below them that's like looking up in shock and they even as if you didn't know what he was they even wrote window washer guy and pointed an arrow to him And uh, the Fantastic Four scold Spider-Man for not staying along the path and not getting their coffee. And the issue just kind of ends. And the issue just kind of ends. And the the, uh, just to comment on a couple things, Spider, they happen to have like a skull beater 2000 or something. That's like what their weapon is called. And Spider-Man's like, that seems like a convenient plot device. There's some funny parts. They're like, you weren't supposed to use your superpowers and peter says sorry don't know what you're uh talking about i'm a mysterious superhero and i have never ever met you before <laughs> so to wrap this one up there are some funny parts in it um it wasn't i think the last like seven panels saved this from being a total dud because the the scenes in the Marvel offices I kind of thought were funny and wrapping up with the Fantastic Four I kind of thought was funny um the opening with the robot where Peter is getting questioned about it I I kind of liked but it's not a good issue I don't think so I said 4 out of 10 meta jokes landed yeah so 
the one and thing that I, might be a bit generous halfway through the issue i was like thinking like a one or a two yeah um man i had to read this so many times in preparation like at first just trying to get my mind around what was happening and what they were thinking when they were making it and then to actually take notes i read this thing like three times and i don't um, think that was necessary <laughs> it's funny i went from hating it to coming around to it and thinking well, maybe this was actually really clever and people just aren't seeing that to then yeah, realize. I, I, no, I can. <laughs> I, I sort of thought the same thing. You know, I, I read like half of it uh, and then I came home just because I didn't have time to finish it and take notes on it. And um, and then I came home and I finished it. And the back half of it, I was like, oh, maybe this is like a little bit better than I'm giving it credit for. So um, but but. So I almost gave it a five and then I was like, but I really don't like the art. So I gave it a four. So how many meta jokes landed? So I'm going to give it like a two out of 10 and uh, I, I can dig it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just one last thing just to put, to put this to bed. This felt to me, the only thing I could think that this was like maybe a reference to but if it wasn't intentionally a reference to it, it, it it's even works even better as an unintentional reference is there was a thing back in the 60s that Marvel put out that was supposed to be like a comedy book or whatever. like it was a parody of Marvel Comics, but written by the people who made Marvel Comics. And it was called Not Brand Eck. And it was just like instead of the Silver Surfer, they had like the Silver Burper. And it was like stupid like that to where they thought they were being funny, but they just could not pull it off. Yeah. And this feels like not brand act 2002. Yeah. This, this, you know, it's a one-off episode of like goofy. It's okay. Moving on, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> Issue 10, um, written by Brian, Michael Bendis art by John total Ben colored by transparency digital. And in the very last panel of the last issue, we learn that this next one is going to be all about man thing, uh, which I was kind of excited about because I don't have any idea who that is. So on issue on, on page one, we learned the backstory of man thing scientist, Ted Salas injected himself with an <clears throat> untested compound and it turned him into the swamp sewer creature. And he has an, empathic power that possesses him to be attracted to the fear of others so he just goes around scaring things for a level living i guess that's kind of like what his thing because it seems like he's not like a bad guy he is attracted to scaring people so i said he's like sully from monsters inc i don't even think it's that he's attracted to scaring people i think it's that he's attracted to fear yeah, yeah, he's attracted to f yeah, exactly. So yeah. he does he doesn't even need to be the one scaring him. No. Although so, the way he looks, he often is. Yeah. I think he looks kind of friendly. He's got did kind you, eyes. Did you watch um Werewolf by Night on Disney Plus? Uh, I fell asleep during it. <laughs> okay. He's the monster at the end, so you wouldn't know that. Oh, is he? Okay. I might have to check that out. Um so the, we open in our story on a woman getting held up at gunpoint by two street toughs. 
but there are a couple I couldn't think of a good word for them because they're too old to be hoodlums or hooligans and street tough sounds kind of, but I didn't want to use the word criminals because that's such a I don't know <laughs> so, man if we're stigmatizing the word criminals in a Spider-Man podcast this early we're going to have a hard time describing people okay that's fair <laughs> so that so okay we open on two criminals <laughs> and now they need to escape the police so one of them an older one i would say like the leader he starts opening up a sewer drain sewer drain to escape in and the other one is nervous and he's kind of alluding to like hey man like there's stories about people going missing or dying in the sewer and the older one is you know you know what? I think they make a joke also about you need to wear a little dress or something. Maybe, maybe not. Um, yeah, that he was says, in no, there. He says you're a little girl. He says you're a little. You're being a little girl. A five year old um, girl with pigtails. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it and it kind of works. I think he's he's crawling down. So our our leader's crawling down the sewer drain, and he's like, "There's nothing down there," and. As he's kind of saying this, we see him get pulled down into the sewer and we just kind of hear some like random sounds, which I said, presumably he's getting eaten by something. Um, yes, Zach. I was going to say we see Gurk, which kind of sounds like maybe a choking sound or or like ripping like like blood yeah. or something Ugh. and it's sploosh <laughs> so i'm thinking he got he got clawed and then submerged so and and the the only thing we see from the sewer kind of when when our younger criminal goes and looks over the edge is the yellow eye and green skin of what must be the man thing i think at this point of the story because we know it's all about man things. So, and I've never read a man thing story before. So that's what I'm thinking right now. <laughs> I hope I didn't spoil that. It's not actually man thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we cut to a woman and she's reading a letter from her. Now, uh, I assume ex-husband, Kurt Connors, Kurt is writing about how badly and and at this point we're like oh that was probably what the thing in the sewer was it's Kurt Connors the lizard <laughs> well many of our listeners might not have known that Kurt Connors is the lizard oh okay well we're a one stop shop here for Spider-Man <laughs> if you're new um, welcome <laughs> okay so Kurt is writing this letter about how badly he squandered their marriage and how much he loves his wife and how much uh like she loved him and how it, it made him so happy because he was like so proud of him and his accomplishments and and things like that like working at the university and then we kind of this this issue is sort of told in flashbacks what's happening in real time is like the letter is being written so we're kind of seeing the backstory of what's happening with Kurt Connors as we're reading the letter to his wife. Zach, did I explain that well? Yeah, so it's not even formatted like a comic book in some of these pages. It's like the text of the letter 
is off to the side. Yes. And then on the other side is the pictures that correspond with the letter. Yes. I would say there's a lot less dialogue in this one than in any of the other issues we've read because so much of it is just we are reading the letters because, you know, spoiler, Peter Parker is also writing Mary Jane a letter. So they kind of happen at the same time. So we we sort of switch between Connor's letter and Peter's letter. There's less dialogue, but possibly more words. It feels to me like this was a pretty labor intensive issue for Bendis to write. Yeah. So we cut to Kurt Connors walking down the halls of the college and we find out his funding is being cut for his limb regrowth project. And he's been working on it. They've been working on it for five years. They haven't really done anything substantial but it's not like the funding's being cut like in a Norman Osborne way where they're like gloating about the funding being cut. Everyone's pretty bummed. They don't want to cut the funding because Kurt is a very like well-respected guy and well-liked around the university, but they just haven't had anything substantial. So they have to cut the funding. Um, and a couple of his grad students who are working on the project come to see Dr. Connors in his office and, and apologize to him because they're upset. It was everyone's project. And Kurt Connors is pretty drunk. He's slurring his words a bit. It's, uh, I don't know if this would be the coloring or the lettering, but the text boxes are very shaky. You know, we can tell that he's hammered. And Connor says they need to go to phase seven tonight. Right now they're on phase five, I think, by the way. And he's like drunk and he's like, we need to go to phase seven tonight. We need to test this on someone. And from there, the rest of the story uh, or the rest of the scene is told from the grad student who is being interviewed by the news. And she says Connors injected himself and then he immediately sobered up. His eyes went really wide, wider than she'd ever seen them in two years. And all of a sudden his missing arm just started to regrow. And then Connors began to breathe very heavily and keeled over in pain, started making animal noises. And then the grad student passed out. And the next thing she knew, she was woken up by the police. Um, And the student is then asked by the news, do they think the sewer monster that's been cited could be Connors? And she says she's not sure. Zach, anything to add in that uh, scene? I don't know why she would say I'm not sure why they would ask her that. I don't know who's coming to this conclusion. I mean, they're coming to it correctly, but still. Well, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. The sewer monster isn't Connor's. I think there's two in the sewer. Well, but okay, so. This sewer, okay, the way I read this is the sewer monster that they are talking about and the sewer monster that our street toughs were talking about is not the lizard. He is a new sewer monster. I think the sewer monster the news is talking about is Man-Thing. Gotcha. Obviously, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> um. So, Peter is at home watching the news story and he tells Aunt May he's going out 
And this is when we see that Peter is writing Mary Jane a letter in the present time because she's been gone for a couple weeks and he's bursting to tell her all these things that have happened. Uh, and he remarks on how he just keeps running into things he doesn't understand. I you think know, it's just one weekend. Says, see you go away for one weekend with your folks and I'm already bursting to tell you stuff. Why did I think it was two weeks? Okay, one weekend. I must have just, I don't know, mis miswrote it. Cut that, cut that, cut that. <laughs> You're good. I just think, like, because um, our, our main series happens so fast, it wouldn't, there wouldn't be room for her to be gone for two weeks at yeah. any point. Yeah. Um, okay, so she's gone for a couple of days. So, and he talks about how he's watching this news story of the lizard, and he's like, man, this spider could have turned me into something crazy like that. I don't understand any of this stuff. Like, if it, it might have bit me, you know, on my face and who knows what would have happened or bit me closer to the vein or, you know, he doesn't know what's happening. So he's like, I kind of identify with the lizard. Um, so I'm going to go try to help him out. And he's looking through Connor's apartment when the police show up. And now I have to ask you Zach about this quote on the panel, but he says, this isn't the Virgin mega store. What <laughs> do you know what that is? I don't. It went out of business, but it was a thing in the 2000s. Oh, is it like a blockbuster or something? Or I don't know what they sold based on it being called Megastore. I'm thinking they probably tried to sell everything, but I just okay. know that it was a big thing around this time. He's not okay. talking about a store that sells virgins. I know that much. Ah, <laughs> so. Peter writes in his letter that around the same time as Connor, a sewer monster is being talked about on the news. So he decides, oh, he escapes from the police when they show up, obviously. So he goes looking in the sewer to investigate. And Peter, you know, is thinking to himself that he wishes he brought a flashlight into the sewer and maybe he should get a belt and fill it with tools. But he says that would be pretty lame. And I think I that might I, that might be a Batman diss. I can't help but think that that's a Batman dig. <laughs> What's the belt called? What's Batman's belt called? His uh, you know I don't know utility Batman. belt. Utility okay. belt. Yeah, that's yeah, that sounds right. Um, so as Peter's thinking to himself, he's attacked by a giant lizard, and I said I'm not really digging how the lizard looks. He he, you know. I can't think of the animal that he looks like, but it isn't a lizard to me. Like an iguana. Yes, yes, that's what it is. That's an iguana. Yeah. Because he's it's got these crazy iguana. fins on top of his head. Yeah. Um, And Peter is trying to talk to him because he knows that this is Kirk Connors, but Connors isn't really having it. So they just try to fight. And as he's trying to reason with Connor, he all of a sudden stops and, and you know, he, his eyes get wide. You can kind of tell his eyes get wide, even with the mask there. And we get this really great panel that's drawn and it's got Spider-Man with his back to us. And in front of him, we see the lizard and then behind him in the background is man thing towering over everyone. And, I just really like the way it looks. Zach, I'm sure you do also. It was a pretty cool one, I thought. Oh, yeah. Man-Thing does always look cool. 
He does. He looks really cool. I really like him. Um, and then the the next page is kind of all these different panels of Man Thing. And like I said, I think he's his eyes. He's got very kind looking eyes. I think he's very empathetic to people, you know. Um, but he just immediately like beats up the lizard. He like grabs him by his head, like Peter got grabbed by the Hulk, like when they teamed up earlier, and just kind of throws him to the side. And all of a sudden, that fight is done and connor's turn or yeah the lizard turns back into connor's interesting see i didn't read it as him fighting him i thought it was like he placed hands on him and he like healed him which didn't make sense to me either i don't know that that's part of his power set um actually now, now that you say that i do remember thinking like i wonder if that's what's happening because i think that's maybe why they show his like eyes the way they do like and they mentioned he has empathic powers so i think you could be right that he is like making him change back kind of like healing him i've done a disservice to myself by not reading enough man thing because whenever he shows up in other books i always really like him but truth be told i don't know hardly anything about him i know he yeah, lives very- in a swamp in florida that is the nexus of all realities in the main Marvel universe. Ooh. And that's about it. Oh, I hope he shows up in the, in the movies. I'd be psyched. He looks very cool in this. I am totally digging the way he looks for our web heads out, web heads out there. You should uh, definitely check this one out. So uh, just to see how he looks, I'm not saying it's like a 10 out of 10 episode or issue or anything. <laughs> um the art is interesting though it it is it's even spidey doesn't look like what we've seen no he doesn't but you know back on page 11 i really like that shot of spidey too right when we see him and he's like up against the wall i noticed it right away so i do really like the way this one is drawn um yeah were you about to say something i was gonna say whenever you see him from the back though he's missing the spider on the back like i don't know it's like the guy he has it he's got the red spider on the back spider-man not on page it doesn't matter but um, oh yes it does did they mess up because on 18 of that of that shot of the three of them with spidey's back he has he's got the red spider look at 13 oh my gosh we got you transparency digital look at uh look at 15 it's not there Got him. Red and water. I don't, I don't think that'd be transparency digital. I think that would be the, the artist, the pencil or yeah. Yeah, you're right. Um, so man thing turns the lizard back into Connors and then he slowly backs up into the waterfall out of sight, uh, like the sewer waterfall, I should say. Uh, and now we are kind of caught up to the present and Spidey is typing his letter to Mary Jane and he's saying Connors woke up and had no idea what happened. Um, you know, in the hot, he like just dropped Spider-Man just like dropped him off at the hospital and he didn't really know what happened. He went back into the sewer three times looking for man thing and wasn't able to find anything. And he's trying to make sense on how all of this is connected. And I don't know if it is connected. 
you know, nothing that happened in this issue would make us think that all of these things are connected. You know, Connor's got his powers from his own thing. Spider-Man obviously got them from Oscorp and Man-Thing was his own scientist. So are they connected? I don't think they are. I I think he's just like grasping for straws thinking they might be. Um, And he mentions how he hopes Connor's has a good reunion with his family. And then he erases the entire letter that he's wrote throughout the entire issue and says, I'll just tell her when I see her. Um, And then we catch up to Connor's who's now dropping off his letter. And the end of it reads, Martha, I love you. I will always love you, but I can't come home to you. And he says he can't come home until he's certain that he won't change back into the lizard. So, and, and the last uh, shot that we get is him returning to the sewers, going back down the sewers. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What you think? I, I mean, I liked this one. It, it's simple. I wish it explained more, but you know, it was told in a unique way. The art was interesting. It, you know, it hit on the lizard, you know, just how you would expect it to. I wish there was more man thing. A hundred percent. There should have been more man thing, especially when they teased it in the last issue. They didn't tease the lizard, but they gave us more. I I know. Yeah, I know. This was more of a lizard thing than a man thing uh, issue. Um, I didn't really like the exposition through the letters. I don't much like it when movies or TV shows or comics give you the exposition throughout an entire thing. And then at the end, they turn around and say, none of that ended up mattering. You know, if you're not going to have Peter send the letter, then don't tell, then find a different way to tell us the story, you know? Um, but that's that maybe that's just me being picky, but, but I don't like it when like movies do stuff like that, you know? Cause it's like, well, that's your writer's fault. You need to find a better way to give your exposition. If at the end of it, you're going to be like, none of this even matter, you know, then it's, that was strictly for the audience's benefit. There's no like real world benefit to that. So I don't know. What do you think about that? I see what you're saying. I think that might be your own personal ick. Okay. And I, okay. I have some things that are like that, you know, similarly. Um, it didn't bother me. Okay. And it is, you're probably like, it's kind of funny. He, he wrote it all out and then he erased it. And he's like, I'll just tell her when I see her. Like, it was kind of funny. But like I said, I, th- I think that is just like a thing of mine. I would have been more mad if he had sent it and just had like emails out there that her parents could, you know, boot up the computer and see or something. Okay. It talks about his life as Spider-Man. Yeah, that's <laughs> actually, that's a good point. Um. I said, uh, but I but I did really like the art. So I originally gave this two out of five years of Dr. Connor's life ruined. But I think I'm going to change it to two and a half out of five years because I want to give it higher than the last one we read. Yeah. So this so I'll this say was two a 50%. And a half. So this is 50% to the last one, 40%. So two and a half years of Dr. Connor's life ruined. I'm going to say three out of five years. Okay. Like, yeah, this isn't a spectacular issue, but it's different enough and 
it's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. I more man thing is my yeah. biggest thing. Yeah. Whenever I get time, I'm going to I'm going to go back and read some old man thing issues. Report back on what his deal is. All right, let's do this last one. I think it's the best of the three, and I figure you'll be psyched to talk about it. Oh, I loved it. Um, <laughs> so this was issue 11, written by Brian Michael Bendis. Pencils and inks by China Clugston Major. Colored by Transparency Digital and lettered by Sharp Front. We open on Peter in his living room talking to Aunt May uh, before school. She's asking him if he's going to the bugle after school, and he says he doesn't know yet. And then just unprompted, she says that he she's proud of him for being such a good boy and that her co-worker's son got caught skipping school, and she's glad Peter doesn't do anything like that. So you and know this is, that this yeah. issue is going to be him doing something like that. <laughs> but this is also very different from the last... I'm pretty sure the last thing we saw about Aunt May and Peter in our normal run is she is like totally getting on him about lying and being irresponsible. So it is quite the jump to where we are. Obviously those aren't, they don't come right after each other, I assume. Right. But that within like, we'll say maybe this happened within the same two or three months. Yeah. Later. She's like getting on him about lying. Oh, so this happened before. Yes. Okay. This happened slightly before. I can't exactly pinpoint how much earlier it is than where we are in our current coverage. Um, okay. But because our current coverage was just going so fast in the Ultimate series, I know that it's sometime between issues like 10 and 20. Okay. Um, maybe even a little, maybe even a little later, maybe like 13 and 20 or something. I don't know. We know Gwen is has been introduced at this yeah. point. Yeah. Yep. Um so as soon as Aunt May leaves, once her car is out of sight, Peter runs to a 7-Eleven where Liz, Kong, Gwen, and MJ are waiting for him with a convertible. And he's surprised to see Kong there, and MJ tells him that Liz invited him, even though they told her not to. And there's a tense moment where both Peter and Kong are threatening not to go while Liz and MJ try to convince them to stay with the group. <laughs> and then Gwen explodes at the group and yells, everyone get in the bleeping car. <laughs> Which is a good use of the cursing, not <laughs> gratuitous like in our first issue today. Yeah. Right timing, right character, yeah. everything. <laughs> and this issue, I mean, I, th- again, a different art style. We're three for three today. This is like, kind of looks like an anime or like a manga. It's in that kind of style. Because as soon as... Oh, Gwen, yeah, especially the Gwen line. There. Yes, because as soon as Gwen gets done yelling at them, everyone is shocked and just turns around and stares at her and they've got these big anime (laughs) eyes and she's got, she's got the sweat bubble. (laughs) She's got a giant sweat bubble coming down the back of her head. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I like it. I think. So do I. Oh, I like it. I think it definitely suits this like 
teen drama style story, but it, I think also this made me realize that I want to see Gwen Stacy drawn in this like anime style forever because <laughs> that suits her. Um, so we cut to a splash page of the kids flying down the highway headed into Manhattan with the title Peter Parker's Day Off. So it's it's kind of a Ferris Bueller's riff already. And uh, the kids are talking about what they want to do. And they mention things like museums, Soho, Times Square and the Empire State Building. And then we turn the page and we see the five of them in a food court with MJ saying, we suck the mall. I can't believe we always end up at the mall. And Kong says, but this isn't our mall. This is a totally different mall. And the others point out that it's basically the same as their mall. And Kong asks, Kong asks, Oh yeah. Then where's the orange Julius? And John, I just have to point something else out in this big crowd shot at the mall with a lot of extras in the background. Okay. I get not one, but two punk rock t-shirts that I get to point out. We know I love doing that. We've got Aquabats and Vandals. What looks like a Vandals, (laughs) which is great. And then the Aquabats, which is a a ska band. (laughs) You and I both like ska. I've never heard of either of those, but as soon as you said that, I like zoomed in and scanned it really quick, and I and you could tell what what I was going to tell be which ones they were. About. Yeah, yeah. Oh, check nice. out the Aquabats; you'd probably like them. Okay, um, I definitely will. The group agrees to leave the mall and do something else, but first they got to eat lunch. So they pick a table to meet back up at, and they split up to get food. Once MJ and Peter are alone, she asks him if he wants to ditch the others later and take her swinging. And he tells her no, and they start to playfully argue about it. But then he sees something and trails off. MJ asks him what's the matter and turns around to see what he's looking at. And we see the X-Men. And this is Storm, Beast, Wolverine, Marvel Girl, and Cyclops in street clothes walking through the mall. And Peter recognizes Wolverine from Ultimate Team Up Issue 1. So he grabs Mary Jane and says, let's go. I saw someone I don't want to see. And we see what the X-Men are saying in their conversation. And this was pretty funny to me. Jean Grey says, the mall. We get one day off and we're at the mall. And Hank McCoy responds, but this isn't our mall. This is a totally different mall. And the others tell him it's exactly like their mall. And he says, then where's the corn dog on a stick? So the two groups are essentially like the same. They're doing the same thing. They have the same dynamic. And Zach, isn't there a story like a famous story about the X-Men going to the mall? Isn't that like a an X-Men thing that they've referenced in a couple of the movies? Is they that, go to I, the mall all the freaking time. Do, do they? Yes, it's their thing. Like, whenever they get a, a second of downtime, the X-Men are either playing baseball or at the mall. That's awesome. I bet those are fun issues to read when they're playing baseball. That, that'd be fun. Yeah, Maybe the, when the World Series is coming around, we'll do that. <laughs> The X-Men like downtime issues are just there. Those are my favorite. 
they don't usually stay like that long. Like they'll be at the mall and then like a sentinel or will attack or something. But you know, it's always <laughs> fun for like those few pages. Yeah. So Wolverine smells the air and he recognizes Peter's scent and he asks the other X-Men, you guys want to have some fun? And so Peter and MJ return to their table with their friends and they're talking through their plan for the rest of the day, which includes the Metropolitan Museum of Art and Greenwich Village. And just then Wolverine leans over Peter's shoulder and says, hey, bub, how's it shaking? Long time no see. And Gwen asks, who's your friend, Peter? And Wolverine says, yeah, I'm P- uh, Peter's distant cousin, Logan. We don't see each other so much, so I'm not surprised he hasn't mentioned me. And then this was kind of weird. Kong goes in for a fist bump with Wolverine <laughs> and says, yo, what's up, Peter's cousin? Looking large. I love that. That's exactly what Kong would do, because Wolverine probably is huge. And Kong's like, dang, this guy's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> He's one of my people, a jock. And Wolverine totally sadly leaves him hanging, which I felt so bad for Kong. Yeah, he just gives him an unimpressed look and Kong says, you leaving me hanging, dog? Then puts his head down in shame. Uh, So Logan keeps teasing Peter, saying, I haven't seen Peter since that time we had in Times Square. Didn't we just have the best night ever? And MJ uh, strikes up a conversation with the other X-Men who are standing around. And she's like, so where do you guys go to school? And they say Westchester. And she's like, are you doing a skip day too? And they say sort of. And Liz notices Cyclops's visor and Logan's claw scars and Beast's enormous hands and asks, are you guys mutants? And everyone falls quiet and looks at her for a second. And then Cyclops says, yes. And Liz looks terrified and then just takes off running. (laughs) And Gwen says, wow, geez. But didn't she say she had an uncle who was a mutant once? Didn't she say that? And I thought that was clever because you get what like, they're doing no i don't who is no i don't so i read it as like the people who are like oh no i can't hate that type of person because my uncle is like that (laughs) or oh my best friend is black you know like oh the the people who think they're they use it as a shield so at some point i mean we know liz allen does not like mutants at some point at school she's told people "Uh uh-uh my uncle's a mutant so they wouldn't that's funny think no that. i didn't i didn't actually catch that at all wow that's uh it's kind of clever writing yeah i liked that that was that was in there that, that feels like deeper than surface level you know yeah oh yeah um and then kong says so uh you guys must get that a lot huh and cyclops says yeah come on logan playtime is over <laughs> Okay, and you're you're actually on the panel I was about to ask you about because there's another cutout box on this one where Logan says, okay, well, that was fun. And then the cutout box says 26 years old, huh? And I, I just don't know what that's in reference. I don't know what that is supposed to be 
a response to. I'm guessing if we went back to issue one, there might have been a time where like Peter told Logan he was 26. It's been so long since we oh, read that. Oh, if we read the Marvel team up, he probably told him he was 26. Yeah, I'm thinking so. Okay. Oh, nice catch, Zach. Because he's talking right. to Peter. Sure right. Yeah. And and that's the only time they've met. Yeah. And th- and those, I think we can assume that that cutout does mean he's like saying it under his breath. So he's saying it so like only Peter can hear it. He's like 26 years old, huh? Yeah. It's definitely not something most readers would pick up on. But it's it's yeah. a nice little touch. Um, so the X-Men are starting to leave and Gwen stops them and says she doesn't get to meet people like them every day and wants to ask a question. And she asks if they all have powers and Cyclops says yes. And then this gets Kong going, too. He gets excited and he asks what they are. And. uh Cyclops explains his power and Gwen says, well, that sort of sucks. And uh, he says, yeah. And or sort of sounds like it sucks because he he has to keep his visor on or else, you know, his blasts would destroy everything. So she she like is empathizing with him that like that's a burden. It's not that she's saying he sucks. And she asks if any of them have ever killed anyone with their powers. And Storm says no, while Wolverine says, the world's a complicated place, girl. (laughs) So that's a yes. And Kong asks them if they hate people who aren't mutants. And Beast is like, no, of course not. And Kong's like, well, I heard you do. And then Jean says, well, we don't. And Gwen asks if their parents are mutants. And Storm says, no, but some mutants have kids who aren't mutant. Some do. It's sort of what you call a big grab, grab bag. And MJ asks if their parents know that they are mutants. And Jean says, some do, some don't. And Kong goes, oh, kind of like being gay. Like only if your parents can handle the news kind of thing. And Beast is like, maybe, yeah. It's pretty on the nose because that's what they're like supposed to represent or not. I don't know if supposed to is the right word, but they can represent anything that the writer or reader wants them to. Yeah, that's true. Just any marginalized group. Yeah. And. um, Gwen asks, do you wish you weren't a mutant? Do you wish you were just like a normal person? And Cyclops says, I don't know if there's an easy answer to that. But then Gene takes over and, you know, gives the answer and steals the show. And she has this big monologue. She says. It doesn't matter what we wish. This is the way it is. We are who we are. So thinking about what ifs or the I wishes is kind of a waste of time. These questions you're asking, they're cool and all. And I understand where you're coming from but it doesn't matter. You just got to learn to play the hand that's dealt. See, the only thing I know to be good advice is if people don't get you or hate you because they don't understand you, whose problem is that yours or theirs? And the X-Men are trying to walk away from the conversation at this point. And Gwen asks, but are you afraid? 
that you know history might repeat itself that things get so out of control that and cyclops stops and turns around and says are you asking if we worry that one day the government will finally just decide to round us up for good absolutely and then the x-men leave and the kids are left silent for a moment before kong and gwen start excitedly talking about what just happened and they think peter is cool for being related to a mutant and are glad they had the chance to ask those questions. And you got something? No, Kong oh. and Peter are just buds. <laughs> yeah. And MJ comments about how big Gene's earrings were. And Kong says, see, I told you guys the mall was cool. I like Kong in this one. I like the way he's drawn and how he looks. He just looks happier and friendlier. And it's know, almost like. Kong, when he's not around Flash, is a decent dude. Yeah, I was thinking I'm kind of surprised that having only seen the Spider-Man movies, basically, and like some animated series episodes, I didn't know Kong was like a character at all. So he's I'm not... kind of surprised. Well, he is in the stuff we read. Kong's like, but he was the new. main the main guy apart from. I mean, he's more he, we see him way more than Flash. We do. And he was created by Bendis in this series. Was he? Oh, yep. that's cool. Yeah, okay. he's he's not in anything before that, as far as I know. Oh, but I thought it was weird that him and Gwen were so friendly this episode. Like, obviously, him and Peter had their. Oh, little yeah, she beat him up. <laughs> Yeah, they they had their little tense moment in the beginning, but I mean, pretty early on in her getting to school, she like threatened him with a knife. So this must have been some weird period between her getting to school and that happening. I wonder, did she say that she invited him or did she say somebody? I think she maybe said somebody else. Yeah, Liz invited him. Yeah. Hmm. Well, the whole group doesn't. I mean, it. I like the issue. I'm glad they all went to the mall together, but it doesn't make sense to me why they would like why they like that specific group. You know, why wouldn't Flash be there instead of Peter or something? Yeah. Um, I thought it was an okay one. I said pretty boring, you know, Um, because not not much happens Um, when the X-Men showed up. That was pretty good. But I would have liked to have seen some X-Menning from my X-Men Spider-Man team up, not eating at the mall. They don't even, you know. So I said it's not my least favorite of what we read. It probably was my favorite of what we read. I said six out of ten corn dogs on a stick. Wow. I know you're going to be so bummed. I know. No, this is interesting. I love it. So for me. Everything about this works. I like <laughs> I like the art style for the mood of this book. Like I found myself wanting more panels from this artist. Um, I loved the teen stuff like in the early bits when like when Gwen yells at them. That's just fun. Yeah. And uh, then it's like I feel like. Ultimate X-Men doesn't really convince me that like mutants are hated and feared in like a realistic way. But then in this, it feels like Bendis is going out of his way to do more work, like for the X-Men stuff, 
when he doesn't have to. He can just write great Spider-Man books, but here he's like laying the groundwork for like mutant stuff to actually matter. And I thought that yeah. was cool. Yeah, I think that and I think I'd like to see the X-Men do more good or mutants do more good. And obviously we're not we're on a Spider-Man comic, not an X-Men comic, you know, what we're normally reading. But every time we see mutants, you know, we've talked about it before, but Liz has a good reason to be scared of them. And even in this one, you know, Cyclops is like, yeah, if my visor falls off, I'm going to annihilate everyone in this food court. So it kind of sucks. And it's like, so it's sort of like being gay. But as we've talked about before, it's not really because you're a weapon of mass destruction. You know, so I think I'd like to see them do more good because, you know, as far as we know right now, everyone has a reason to be scared of the X-Men. Yeah, the mutant metaphor is imperfect. Because yeah, I know. And we've talked and we've, yeah. we've mentioned that before on the pod. But this is something that will come back up even in this spider-man series it's not a it's not a one-off thing i think bendis truly cares about like the x-men as a franchise and as a concept and he sees like what good conversations they can start yeah he's gonna use that again yeah that's 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 what i wrote when when liz starts asking them questions and and they're talking like that that's the highlight of the issue yeah i'm guessing it was for you also yeah, so I didn't give my rating yet, I don't think. I'm going to give it 9 out of 10 corn dogs on a stick. Okay. It all works for me and this is like this is my two favorite things colliding. This is Spider-Man and the X-Men done well. Nice. Which, which is rare in the Ultimate Universe, I'll say. Yeah. Love it. Love it. We yeah. had some fun ones today. They weren't the best ones we've read, I don't think. I think fun is the right way to fun. do Fun is yeah. the right way to describe them. Yeah. What are we doing next week? Uh, let me see here. So next week we are back again in Ultimate Team Up, where you're doing issues twelve through fourteen. Okay. Oh, I can't wait to see who we're gonna meet. I think it teased at the end of this issue, Doctor Strange. Oh, it did. Yep, that's right. Okay, nice. I, I, I've kind of been wanting to read some Doctor Strange comics for a little bit. It's just fun to see how people are characterized after only seeing them in the movies, you know. And now you get to. And Yeah. Excellent. All right. Well, this was, like I said, this was a pretty fun one. You know, we had some good ones. Excited for next week. Absolutely. Thank you to Alyssa Seaman for the logo and Ian Hickey for our music. And thank you to the Better Business Bureau for sponsoring us. Ooh, definitely. All right. See you next week. See ya.